Welcome to Dragonheart. This is Che Long. I'm joined by Mark Griffiths. How's things, Mark? Yeah, not too bad. So ever so sorry about last week when I, I failed my fitness test. Um, i got to say, though, it's probably worth saying it. Uh, having been a bit unwell beforehand, I then had my booster jab for COVID and, oh, it knocked me sideways. I genuinely don't think I've ever felt so ill in my entire life. But I'm really glad I had it because if COVID feels anything like that, I do not want COVID. So it's well worth having the booster and going through that for a couple of days. But I did feel really rough. Man. Oh, Matt, I'm fine. It certainly isn't anything to play by by COVID not so long ago. And it is, yeah, it is rough. Anyway, back to Wrexham. We've got quite a few things to talk about. We've got the Oval game, the Dover game to go over. We've got. We're going to talk about referees' decisions that have changed games in the past. We've heard that through um, opinions on Twitter. And we've also got a few just little bit of Rex and Bits and Bobs to talk about. So this is Dragonheart. This is Sean Brisley. This is Dragonheart. Wrexham suffered their first home defeat of the season when we... When we played Yeovil, it was a bit of a strange game, though, wasn't it, Mark? It was, wasn't it? It was windy, and the game looked scrappy anyway. i, I, I got to be honest, maybe I'm being over-optimistic, but it felt a little bit to me like the sort of game that, that we'd grind the win out of. It wouldn't be pretty, but it would be effective, and you know, we'd, we'd build up ourselves up and get into it more second half and... and and get this nick a goal. That, that it felt. But then, of course, it's conditioned by the controversial sending off. So yeah. after that, we were toiling. And we do have a phenomenal records with 10 men over the last two or three years. Um, but that had to give eventually. The reality had to kick in. And, yeah, that was a, it was a shame. And, yeah, it was one of them, really. I thought we looked okay before the red card. Yeah. Nothing... Nothing amazing, but I thought we looked okay. I don't don't think we created much, but it you know it was only thirty four minutes into the game, and the red card was it it was a real soft one, wasn't it? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, we were going to talk about referees inspired by yeah. that decision anyway, but just to look at that decision, and I I mean, look, don't get me wrong, he does jump into the challenge, and it is a foul. I'm not arguing against that for a second. It's not. It's not one of these outrageous, you know, oh, that was that was never a foul red cards. But is there enough contact to make to warrant a red? I really don't think so. Um, and, and the referees have been told to look very closely at that particular element now, not just the, the attitude which seemed to have grown with the introduction of VAR of if someone touches somebody, that must be a foul then. No, is there enough contact to make it a foul? There was enough to make it a foul, but there wasn't enough to warrant a sending off for my money. And the, the tallying angles behind the goal, where you can see that McElinden, I wouldn't say leads of his arm anyway, but his arm is down at the chest level of the oval player. So the idea of sending McElinden off for a, a, you know, an elbow to the face, it, it really wasn't an elbow to the face. So, yeah, he's very unfortunate, I think, to get a red for that. Very, very unfortunate. Yeah, he was unfortunate. I, I could see a bucking because it, yeah. it was there was there was an element of danger in that leaning with your arm. Um, and on the on the flip side, if he did connect, his elbow did connect with the cranium of the Yeovil player and knocked him out, then it would have been a red card. Yeah, but for me, I've got a question: Why is he even making that challenge? He's not going to get the ball from there, is he? No, no. Um, but then. <clears throat> don't we all go mad as fans when a defender gets an uncontested header out of the box and you think, why does that lad jump in and challenge him? Um, so I think he's trying to be enthusiastic and maybe be a little bit physical. But, you know, he's and, and like you say, if, if you say it's yellow because he shouldn't have jumped in like that if he hasn't really got much chance of winning the ball, yeah, I can live with that. But is there enough recklessness, enough violence and the force behind it to be a red? Absolutely not. I don't think. No. 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 If if that's a common red card, then the game's gone, isn't it? It's not a semi-contact sport anymore. Yeah, that's very very harsh. Um, but we actually coped well up to half time. Then with the ten man, I Mm. thought we were the better team. Um, 
And I, I applaud Phil Parkinson for being bold, leaving the two men up. And I applaud him for then like, you know, changing our shape a bit in the second half to try and keep being bold. I don't know, absolutely. Um, but I wondered if maybe we should have kept it closer to what we did in the first half when we had 10 men, because we did look pretty good, actually, in that, in that period of play. Uh, but but it's it you know against ten men I mean, again ten against eleven you're always pushing your luck aren't you you're always yeah. in danger of getting caught out and, and that's what happened with us basically I thought it looked like a, a nailed on nil nil actually until they scored yeah uh, that that was my feeling going to the second half I thought you know I'd happily take a nil nil here and I actually think we're a better side than Yeovil I mm. I do believe that. I think if it was 11 against 11, I think we probably would have ground out a 1 or 2 nil win. But yeah, going into that second half, I thought, yeah, we, we have our shots here. We're not, we weren't completely out, out of the game. We weren't getting outplayed with 10 men, were we at all? And I wasn't really scared of Yeovil, but I thought that next goal is crucial. And I think if it went to Yeovil, I think I thought the game yeah. was over and that's what happened, wasn't it? Exactly. Um, it was quite bold, I thought. Like I said, pushing Tozer up into midfield. Yeah. It was quite a bold move. Yeah. It didn't quite work out that way, though. And the Oval got a bit more momentum. But they, they, weren't, <clears throat> they weren't creating chances until they scored. No. Uh, the, the only thing I remember in the second half before that was a shot from the corner of the box that sort of curled wide. And the first goal, I mean, it's a fabulous finish by a centre-back who probably 99 times out of 100 blasts that over the bar. It was a hell of a volley. Um, I, I've, I've, got to, I've got to say... Rob Linson. <laughs> yeah, that's the save he made, but it still went in. It was a worldie. I mean, yeah. Staunton slammed it. Brilliant contact on that volley. And Linson, I don't know how the hell he got a hand to it, and nearly pushed her over the bar. I mean, goodness me. Oh, I felt so sorry for him. And then with the second goal, of course, he's made a very good save. And unfortunately, you know, we've not defended the rebounds well at all. But... My goodness, what a you know, I felt so sorry for Lincoln and that first one. Wow, that what a save that nearly was. Yeah, yeah, it was. And he he's a quality keeper. But at the end of the day, we were ten men. We've lost two nil to let's be fair, Yeovil are a, a semi decent side, aren't they? Like they're gonna be in and around the playoffs this season. Well, they're in great form. I mean, before yeah, they're that in- match, it was us and them are both unbeaten in sex. The only longer unbeaten run was Chesterfield. So we were the the equal second best form teams in the division. So yeah, we can't we can't do them down, can we? They're a decent side. Oh, exactly. And then looking looking into that um looking into that game, it sort of it was sort of really strange one because the Bromley game before it, it was like sort of flipped flipped roles, wasn't yeah. it? And then it, it was just yeah. it was really bizarre to 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 go down to 10 men. Going back into 10 men as my fan experience, yeah. which was really my first time going as a fan and not working it this season, I was in the rec front stand. I thought I'd add this because I completely forgot this happened, to be fair. No one knew in the rec front stand that McElindon went off. Mm. Um, we were all sort of looking. I remember to turn around talking to my brother. We were all talking. And there's a guy next to me saying, oh, why has McElindon been subbed off? I was like, oh, no, he's been sent off. It was all a bit strange, wasn't it? Well, my lad in the stand said, he's using the rec front stand and he said exactly the same. He said that, um, one of he noticed McLendon walking off, and McLendon took a while to walk off um, because he was protesting his innocence. And, and at that point, nobody around him knew he'd been sent off. And it was only the fact he was walking down the tunnel that, that gave it away to him. And he said one of his friends phoned up after the match and said, "Hey, McLendon was sent off. I didn't even realise." So it was strange. I mean, I was right above it in, in the press box, but. I've got to be honest, when the ref brought the card out, he seemed to bring it out and back down very quickly. And I was expecting a yellow. And I was I, I had a, just a moment of like double-taking, thinking, was that a red? And I sort of didn't, in the commentary, didn't really totally commit myself to the fact it was a red because I was nervous I'd just misseen it because uh, it was it was so flashed and put back in again as if, was that actually a yellow? Was that a red? Was it really? And I, I, I just think about the, the, the furious reaction. It must be a red, but I didn't see it coming. I really didn't see it coming. <laughs> the ref didn't have a great game, though, did he? Let's be fair. No, true. Although I, I'm going to stick up for him a little bit. Oh, I feel dirty saying this. <laughs> um, 
he's made an honest error of judgment. Mm. And I know I'm now I'm commentating on more about the referees you know, in the moments, but generally I consider myself more of a friend of referees. I do appreciate, you know, you get one chance to see it. I think there are certain types of mistakes that are unforgivable. I don't think an error of judgment is one of them. You know, he's, he's making his decisions, you know, he's trying to be straight and, you know, okay, you got that one wrong and it cost us, but that is life. And there were a couple of others like that yeah. as well by him. Uh, the linesman gave some funny decisions, of course, as well. They didn't help him out totally. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I, I felt a little... You know, I wanted to temper my criticism of him a little bit, but he, he, he was a bit of your bog standard National League ref, really, wasn't he? Yeah, I think I said this before that when we came down, you could feel the difference in refereeing straight away. And it is the mm. 50 year of football, and we are getting the 50 year of officials. And, and we, we, if we want to do something about it, we have to get promoters. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's as simple as that, really. We brought it on ourselves by getting relegated. So, and, and even then, getting promoted, the league football league referees aren't going to be the world's greatest either, are they? No, no true enough. You, you know, we <laughs> everyone makes mistakes in their jobs, but you know, yeah. especially in the national league refs, they, they seem to make a lot of mistakes. It anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, we'll forget about that Yeovil game. We then moved on to the Dover game, which for me was a must-win, wasn't it? Absolutely. I, I've had a weird experience with this Dover game, I've got to be honest with you. I've been on a journey with it. Um, at first, I wasn't very happy, to be honest. I didn't enjoy watching it. But having thought about it more, I'm quite pleased now. It was We, we didn't play well. No, of course we didn't. But we won. And that's all that matters, really. And, and, and so, yeah. although, you know, I'd like to see us play better than that. But I think in the context of a whole season, you're going to have some wins where you don't play that well. And at least we got that win. It was a lucky goal. But uh, yeah, with hindsight, I'm quite happy with that game, if I'm honest with you. At the time, I suffered like hell. But I was, I, but afterwards, I've, I've taken a step back and thought, oh, OK, actually, I'll take this. It, it, was a pa- it was a painful listen and a painful watch, wasn't it? It was, let's be fair. Yeah. It, 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 saying that, a win's a win, isn't it? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how you win. And on on paper, it just says one nil. We've kept the clean sheet away from home against the poor side, who did look up for it, didn't they? They created their own chances. But what what's worrying me is we we seem to lack. It seems to be the story of the season. We lack in creative creating chances, don't we? Um, yeah, I've got to be honest, looking back at it, we make more chances than I, I sort of thought initially. When I was putting the highlights together, I was like, actually, mm. we missed four fantastic chances, maybe more than four. Um, but the four I got in mind were all in the six-yard box, off corners, and all fell to centre-backs who failed to finish it. And they, they should have done better, but they are centre-backs as well, I suppose. You'd rather those chances fall to Paul Mullen. But we did make chances, offset pieces. Um, it's just that we had such an expectation. We, we've we've gone to two of the three real struggling teams, Aldershot, Kingsland, and them. Uh, you know, we've gone to Aldershot, Kingsland, and absolutely destroyed them. And I think we mm-hmm. were hoping the same thing would happen at Dover because they've had such a horrible start to the season. But you know, when that doesn't happen, you then start feeling naturally disappointed. I think if we'd scored in the open 20-odd minutes when we did look well on top, I think it could have been a similar scoreline, but we didn't. And then it started to get stressful as the team realised that we can't really afford to drop points here and we're going to. Um, and it got a bit stressy. But I, I must say as well, though, Shane, that the, that pitch was an abomination. I mean, yeah. that was a horrific pitch to play on. I know it's the same for both sides. I, I know that. But having said that, Dover are a much more limited size. They've got much lower quality players than us. And, you know, when you've got a mismatch like that, having a bad pitch does help one side more than the other. Because if Dover wants to fight and scrap, you know, they can't match us for quality, but they can match us for efforts and hearts, like you alluded to before. And they can dig in and on a pitch which doesn't help you to play football. Uh, it, it keeps them in the game and evens things out a bit. So 
it does help one side more than the other, I would argue. And it was a horrible pitch to play on, honestly. Yeah, it didn't look very nice, did it? It looked like a swamp. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was but, like rutted, wasn't it? You could see it like it seemed to go up and down like it was corrugated and uh, and, and they don't have the money well, it? <laughs> yeah i suppose they don't have the money to pay groundsmen at the moment do they so yeah i mean i i i i'm usually sympathetic to clubs that are hard up i'm not sure yeah. i'm sympathetic with dover because they've they've played fast and loose with furloughing and refused to play last season i think they've done mm. incredibly well to just get a point deduction for that <laughs> i forgot yeah. i find that astonishing um uh, yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not impressed by their their motives, if I'm honest with you. But yeah, you could see the players battling with the ball when they were running with it. And there was a point in the first half where Mullen got into a great position. It's the sort of situation he's been scoring all season, and he doesn't even get a shot off in the end. And he just think he doesn't trust that pitch. He's 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 thinking I'll hit this, but will it just take take a little hop in front of me as I'm hitting it? You can see he's just thinking. Yeah. Ooh, and then also, I thought what was really telling was that, right the, hang on, let's get this the right way around. The left-hand side, as we look at it when we were attacking in the mm. first half, was much worse, it looked like, than the right-hand side. So in the first half, Bryce Susanna hardly gets forwards, and Hall Johnson does, because the pitch is a bit better on that side. And then in the other half, it was all reversed. Hall Johnson didn't get forwards much, and Bryce Susanna did. Because mm. at the one side of the pitch seemed to be really horrible. The sides, here's the sentence that gives it away the sides with the tractor tracks on it. That, that was the worst side. <laughs> I think that says it all, doesn't it? Oh, we need to get out of this league. We really, <laughs> we need to get out of this league. There's, there's, there's so much this season. Uh, if it wasn't all the shots ground, groundsman early on this season yeah. and then all on the pitch. Against Dover, it just screams at yeah. a club of our caliber. Then we need to Kingsley, get out. Kingsland wouldn't let uh, the streaming company come in to film, uh, despite the fact they'd said they would. Um, Dover did allow them in, but then wouldn't let them on the gantry for some reason. The, the, you can see the pictures, a lot of space on that gantry, um, but they wouldn't let them up there. And I felt very sorry for the, the guys who went across to film it because. Uh, the footage they came up with was absolutely unusable, no fault of theirs whatsoever. But they were they were literally on the sides of the pitch on a murky day with poor floodlights, with people walking in front of them all the time. I mean, honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's a reason to get out of this league. Goodness me, can't we just get treated decently? But you know, I'm Aaron Hayden, and this is Dragon Hearts. The and National think, League does need some sort of reform, really, doesn't it? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, 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 it's, I think a five-man, and I'm not being sexist, it's always been, a five-man panel running it. Um, we've already been a vote of no confidence in them, but the fact is that it, it tends, it'll be five representatives from five clubs. Now, I don't think it's really appropriate in a professional league to have, a fifth of the teams actually making all the decisions because you then get things like okay when the grants came in from the government at the start of lockdown two of the five are born wooden dover clubs who have very small attendances but their loaners have pushed themselves into strong positions fair enough they're entitled to do that mm. and then as a result of that they decide that the grants will be distributed equally rather than on the basis... I mean, it was specifically named as compensation for, for lost attendance revenue. And yet they split it equally, pull tax style, and said each club will have exactly the same amount because that, of course, meant that clubs like us, Notts County, lost out, whereas clubs like theirs uh, made a profit out of being in lockdown because they were getting more money through compensation than they would have got through having an average of 800 fans coming through the door. So, you know, that, those sorts of decisions, well, I mean, that, that was the, one of the reasons for the votes no confidence, wasn't it? That it appeared to be a conflict of interest. And, and it was admirable, I thought, that it was Maidstone United who led the charge, uh, you know, and used us and Notts County as examples because they were acting out of fairness rather than just acting out of uh, self-interest. Uh, you know, that, 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 that lent strength to our argument, really. 
It didn't yeah. matter at the end, but you know, it was it was wrong. So you could, I, I think it's very dubious. Well, you know, all the talks about independent regulators now, isn't it? Having an yeah. independent people making decisions is is valuable, I think, in a football organization. But especially in some, it would be. I do admit, in some ways, maybe nationally, you'd be the trickiest because that is where the professional meets the semi-professional. I do accept that, and I do think yeah. it's important to respect those smaller clubs' mentalities and needs. But at the moment, it's a little bit tail wagging the dog because because those mentalities run the rule for everybody, and, and and other bigger clubs don't get their chance to to do what they want. But there should be standards and right. Re- clear standards and regulations like every other league you know if your team's good enough to be in the national league then you should have you should be up to scratch as far as i'm concerned but that's what i mean the the, the lack of sort of consistent regulation that's why i'm deliberately talking about minimum requirements because obviously um we can offer better facilities than king's lynn can yeah that's that's not a dig at king's lynn at all you know we have better facilities you have money to spend on those facilities but you know, there could be some minimum requirements. So, for example, you know, the, the National League go round all the grounds, you know, you have ground scaling, don't you? Ground grading, rather. You know, what yeah. capacity do they have for gantries, for cameras? Uh, you know, okay, if you've got that capacity, you have to allow an away team if they wish to bring a camera, you know? And um, yeah. we've had clubs, not just the small clubs, Stockport have done this to us. Uh, you can't commentate at our ground. Well, why not? There should be a minimum that away sides can can bring a radio commentator that should be just a or, what what's there to stop that i mean nothing you know yeah or yeah or if you do, don't do that then maybe a co-commentator must be from an away team or i i don't know Some, well i think it's, i think it's it's more just that they they wouldn't let us commentate at all yeah stock balls have done that to us dover do that to us i have done not always Boreham Woods charge two hundred pounds to do a commentary in their ground. Uh, Did Stockport do it last season? Was it? It was during lockdown, and their logic was yeah. that people would listen to the commentary rather than pay for their stream, which is yeah. nonsense. I mean, I, I love yeah. commentating, but I wouldn't listen to myself. I, <laughs> even though God, I love listening to myself, I, I, if <laughs> I could watch the game, I wouldn't listen to commentary. Uh, that's that's just taking away a free option from people who don't want to pay that money anyway. I'm going to pay that money anyway. It's absolute rubbish. Yeah. Um, so it's not just the smaller clubs, but the fact that you know why can't they, uh, the only cost to those side that side is a seat. Yeah. You can say you know you've got a big one seat available for an away commentator just so people can hear what's happening in the game. Yeah. Uh, it, you know why can't you just legislate for that? Everyone's got the facilities for that. And I would, the reason I'm saying facilities, I've got to be honest, Jay, a little bit devious. Um, Kings Lynn, if you look at the footage, they wouldn't let our camera crew in. Um, well, they can't say lack of facilities because th- there's four camera gantries on the stand op- opposite where it was being filmed. It was being filmed behind the stand. There's four camera gantries on the roof of the stand opposite. So there's no way that we were inconveniencing them. There was no practical reason for them not to be able to. It wasn't that they couldn't accommodate us. It was that they chose not to, having said in midweek they would. And hopefully we won't have to worry about this. And hopefully when we're in the Football League, a proper league, you know, everything's set out for the most part, isn't it? You've got strict rules and regulations that every team has to abide by. And even when we do leave the National League, eventually I hope the National League do implement some sort of mm. regulation so you never know we could end up being back there again in five ten years you, you never up, know when up, it comes to football. <laughs> stop it yeah you know though don't you you know you, you, yeah. you never know what's around the corner when it comes to football so yeah yeah I anyway think... who's got and actually who scored that goal against over because i couldn't quite make it out john davis um <laughs> <laughs> sorry jake um the corner the corner comes in and Jake hides at the near post and attacks it, and he makes a good effort, and I think puts people off by the way he lunges at the ball. But he's really not very close to making contact with it, I'm afraid. In fact, his, his head sort of ducks, and as the ball's going over him, he's even further away, and it looks like he's going to be. So he, he certainly doesn't touch it. And then I think because he's caused that kerfuffle, the, the defenders at the near post don't deal with it. It goes straight through, and we'd crowded the six-yard box. The keeper misses it as well. 
And there's basically two defenders on the line with Ponticelli on them. And it hits one of them on his left hip. You know, he's facing forwards, mm. you know, the goals to his left. It, it basically, his left foot is on the goal line and it hits his left hip. You can't see it, the contact, but you can see that the, the ball disappears when it should go past. So you see it coming along, then doesn't come out the other side of his body because it's hit his hip and gone in. Because I think the, he's unsighted, and the first thing he knows about it is when it hits him. And although he got the final touch, for me, that's a Jordan Davis goal, partly because probably would have gone in anyway if the bloke hadn't touched it, so it's not one that would have gone wide. And secondly, because this is National League, and so whatever gets reported will stand. So regardless of who touched what, the facts... I mean, this is the literal truth. The fact that a Dover uh, person, whether it's part of the media team or whatever, sitting in the stands, decided to send an email when it went in to to the press association saying Jordan Davis scored at our level means he will always be credited with that goal. And But the most important part is we got the three points. Yeah. And it was a tough away day, tough conditions, mm-hmm. and now we're sitting in a healthy place in, in the table, aren't we? Exactly right. Fourth place is good. I know teams have got point games in hand around us, but so what? We've got better goal difference than them. So, yeah. you know, we have an advantage in that way. I, I, I've i said all along I'd rather have the points, the games in hand, and so I'm happy at the moment. I feel I'm on the right, we're on the right side of that equation. And you know why? It's because of Dragonheart Energy Drink. <laughs> yes, yes, I did see this on Twitter. This is magnificent. So, um, and, and brilliantly, it came from someone on Twitter whose username is Thermos Flask, and in, well done for that, but whose actual name is Mark Griffiths. In fact, I'm going to say, I get quite a lot of co- um, correspondence with other Mark Griffiths. I don't know if it's a coincidence or not. None of us have ever mentioned we've got the same name, um, but he sent in a picture of uh, a cooler uh, and it said they've got an energy drink here in Albania named after your podcast. And indeed, you can have red or blue dragon heart. Ooh, looks like the blue is 49, whatever the currency is in Albania. And the, the no, the red one and the blue one 75. That must have extra energy in it. Oh, I'll tell you what. Oh, we, we need to get some of that in. And we need to do a dragon heart, dragon heart energy drink. Review, because yeah, have a review, uh, and also of course have a sponsorship tie-up. So if yes. you're listening in Albania uh, and you're willing to sponsor us on the show, uh, it would be absolutely fantastic. We we can't wait to hear from you. I hear Tirana <laughs> is lovely this time of year, and if you want me to come along and um, you know do some official visits, then I'd be delighted to do so. Sounds good to me. <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> our next three games are very winnable too, aren't they? Our next three league games, so it, it's setting us in a really good track for the rest of the season. And yeah, let's hope we can really kick on because I really can't see why we can't make a title run still. But again, the league's that tight from tenth up, a couple of losses, and we're in a bad position, and a couple of wins, we're in a we're in a real title fight. So it's it's. Yeah. A really intriguing season in the National League this year. I do like being in the idea of being in a title fight, though. Yeah. It's fantastic, isn't it? We are at four for the moment. So which heavyweight boxer would you say we are historically? <laughs> oh, my word. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, that's a brilliant question. I want to say Pinklon Thomas just because I get to say Pinklon. <laughs> um, <laughs> actually, no, maybe not, I think. He was, he was a bit of a bit of more of a stodgy affair than we are. Oh, oh I don't know. We should Joe Frazier. The flashy. But yeah. Know. Joe Frazier. Joe Frazier. Oh, smoking Wrexham. <laughs> why why Joe Frazier? <laughs> oh, because he's my he's one of my favorite heavyweights of all time, that's all. So just because you're a fan, so we're not your favorite team. Yeah. I realize yeah. you said heavyweights, and I said Sugar Ray Leonard, so I can't have that. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go James Bone Crusher Smith. Uh, 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 that's, he always had a puncher's chance and we're going to do what he did against Mike Tyson where basically he held on for 12 rounds and then in the last 10 seconds went on the attack and we we're going to strike late and strike hard that's what we did at Dover yep. yeah Dover was we're the good. home crusher's performances I like this Let, 
I should point out that he here, lost. Here, here we go. Here's my bold prediction for the rest of the season. Right, last 10 games, well, last eight games, we're going to win them all and we're going to win the title against Stockport at home. Beautiful. That sounds good. The bone crushers are back. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to talk about our next topic, which is going to be about referees' decisions that have changed the game. From the heart of your community, Wrexham's heartbeat, this is Callon FM. We've just had two games where a red card has completely changed the game. We have the trot ascending off against Bromley. And I think if Trotter was playing that game, I think it may have been a different game. I think we still got the win, but I think it would have been a different game. I don't think Mullen would have had as much space. And we've had the McAlinden sending off, which completely changed the game as well. And you've posted the fans, referees' decisions that have changed games. So on Twitter, so Mark, please read some. Well, we've had some fantastic responses. I deliberately phrased that carefully because I, I don't want to just hang refs out to dry. Like I said before, mm. sometimes you only get one look at it. If I can talk to a couple of de- through a couple of decisions where I think there's no justification and the ref deserves to be called out uh, to start off with, um, because others are just matters of opinion or errors made in good faith. Um, ben Williams rightly mentioned the first one that came into my head, which was Maidstone away. Um, when Sam Allison, who, as Ben says, bafflingly now refs in the Football League, sent off both Manny Smith for a professional foul and Mark Carrington for complaining about it. And the thing that made it unforgivable for me was, well, it's a professional foul. Players in on goal. Um, yes, if uh, Manny Smith challenges him, he's about seven yards out. If he fouls him, yeah, it's a professional foul. Um, I think it's a contentious decision whether he fouls him. You can't see for sure on the footage, but I certainly at the time and on the footage felt it was a harsh one. I thought it looked like a good tackle to me. But the thing is that, and what makes it unforgivable, is that the referee sent him off, and that is not the rule. That was This was after the triple jeopardy rule came in. So a professional foul in the penalty area cannot be a red card if you've made an attempt to play the ball. It can be if you pull a bloke back, uh, but it can't be if you try and make a tackle. And Manny Smith, like I said, I think actually made a clean tackle. So the referee got the rules wrong. That's inexcusable. You can't have that. And then Carrington gets sent off for telling him, you got the rules wrong there, ref. So the ref wouldn't have that and sent him off as well. I don't know how he put it exactly, although the fact that Carrington, I don't recall Carrington getting many bookings for dissent, means that I suspect he's experienced enough to know how to say it without going too far. So I think the referee mm. may well have overreacted because his authority is being challenged. But that was absolutely inexcusable because he just didn't know the rule. Yeah, That's, that's wrong. You know, I, I can I can forgive an error judgment. Like I said, the Macklin red card was wrong, but I can forgive it because the ref has one chance to see it, makes a decision. But for me, I can't forgive not knowing the rules of football. It's absolute nonsense. Yeah, especially when that's your job and you're refereeing at a professional level. Mm. Well, Ben followed up saying he's never he's never been so angry with a referee for years. Yeah, and with good reason. And that that's that's the point, isn't it? It's yeah. not just, it's 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 an ignorant decision. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um. Also, here's a nice one from Chris Maxwell, the other Chris Maxwell, not Chris Maxwell, as in we save. Um, that's how people say goalkeeper these days apparently I was speaking emoji um, and this is a beauty and I I didn't remember this until he mentioned it um, Jamie Vardy should have been sent off for a shocking foul on that night Percival when we were one up mm. at Fleetwood in a 98 point season yeah. and then the ref sends Joe Hart- Clark off with an inexplicable second yellow final scores one all I mean obviously that could have made a major difference to how the title race panned out. And yeah, yeah. lack of courage. I, I mean, I understand why refs get nervous sometimes about making decisions, but lack of courage is, is frustrating, isn't it, really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I completely forgot about that one as well. That was, that was a really good memory by Chris Maxwell, not the goalkeeper Chris Maxwell. <laughs> not the way. 
Miss Maxwell, yeah. <laughs> Craig Jones has gone for a classic, and it's a strange one. Um, the Blythe Spartans, 1978, so the FA Cup fifth round, where Blythe Spartans come to the race course and deserve to win. We're losing 1-0. It's very late. We get a corner. It has. It's taken, and Blythe Spartans clear it. The referee makes us take it again. Because the, because the flag had fallen out of the turf, the pitch was really hard, and the flag had fallen down. So the referee says it's not a legal kick. The flag's got to be on, you know standing up. So they put it back in. We take the corner again. It's cleared, and the referee says take it again. The flag fell over again, and so the third time after ramming the flag in again, Les Cartwright takes the corner. Dixon McNeil scores, and the flag has stayed upright. And so we're all right. And as Craig Jones says, that keeper caught the first one, we probably would have lost. And Alf Gray, who also gave us a penalty in the replay, went on to referee the 83 Cup final. Um, so, well, he knew his rules, I suppose. But we were very, very lucky. You know, rather than play Arsenal in quarterfinals, we'd have gone out to Blind Spartans. Wow, that's... <laughs> I've never heard of that one. Yeah, um, yeah. That is a real... That is a referee who's probably a bit too much of a stickler for the rules. If I was a Blythe Spartans fan, I'd be pretty fuming if that happened. Oh, totally, totally. Um, yeah, it's on YouTube, if you want to have a look at it. Yeah, I, I certainly yes. will. I think the clip on YouTube doesn't show everything, because like I said, the flag, it was actually retaken twice. And I think it just wow. shows the second retake, where, as Craig says, the keeper caught it. Um, there's other stuff from that year, though, because then we play Arsenal in the quarterfinals and we lose 3-2. When it's 1-0 to Arsenal, we score, Bobby Shinton scores, and it's disallowed. And it's sort of difficult to work out why. Uh, It's basically a classic. I mean, it always rankles a little bit with me when people talk about offside traps, because a proper offside trap is genuinely everyone charges up the pitch. It's not just a high line. And Arsenal try to play an offside trap, but we spring it. So they decide they have a trigger. They all rush up, but we dink it over the top and we've got three players on their keeper. And it's, unfortunately, we mess it up, but the rebound comes off the keeper. Mickey Thomas touches it down and Bobby Shinton scores. Now the referee, when the offside trap is played, he's level with it. And so he makes a decision, not the linesman. And he's swinging, it's really weird. He swings his arms circularly to say, play on. I can make this decision. I can see it. Carry on playing. But then when it goes in, he disallows it. And there's nothing afterwards. And I've gone through it frame by frame. There's nothing afterwards controversial. It doesn't go near to going out. Um, Admittedly, all right, Shinton's running in when it's three on long and squares it for Mickey Thomas to shoot the first time. But he, Thomas is definitely behind him, so he's not off, he's not offside. He can't be offside. The ball does come back in again off a ricochet, and Thomas touches it down for Shinton. Shinton's standing behind him now, so he can't be offside. So has he overruled himself? Having said play on, it's it is baffling. So we lose three two, but we have a goal disallowed when it's just one nil. It's a weird one, and who knows? I mean, we might not wow. Arsenal haven't been in the semi-final of the cup against Orient. Wow. That'd be a thing. <laughs> wow, that's, that's some real Wrexham history right there. I didn't even know all this. Of course, you could say the same, and I'm, I'm a little wary of saying this, about when we beat Arsenal as well. Um, famously, the person who pushed this was Jimmy Hill. Have you ever seen the Jimmy Hill rant on Match of the Day? It's, a, it's incredible. <laughs> I After we know. beat Arsenal, it's brilliant. I mean, everyone's celebrating. You know, BBC are like delighted. Match of the day, we've got the biggest shock of all time. And Des Lynham is clearly delighted. And he interviews Brian Flynn and Mickey Thomas. And then after that, um, Jimmy Hill starts complaining about it. And it's rotten. It, it, shouldn't have, the, the, it wasn't a foul for the Thomas goal. And Arsenal had equalised just loud, and it's despicable, and I'm furious. And he's thinking, hang on a second, everyone should be celebrating this, shouldn't they? And then he, he, he gets some, a tenor out and slaps it on the table, says, I had Arsenal in the FA Cup sweep, and I, he has me money. <laughs> it's like, hang on, mate, maybe you shouldn't base it on just that. It'd be cost you cash. 
But he does have a point. The free kick is an odd one that Mickey Thomas scores from. Long ball played forwards. Steve Watkins goes over the header and gets absolutely clattered from behind. That's definitely a foul. But it's a good 10, 15 yards out from where the free kick's taken. He flicks it on. And then I think really it was a classic example of a crafty professional. Gordon Davis sort of gets, backs in really touch tight to David O'Leary to draw the foul right on the edge of the area. I don't think he is fouled, really. I think O'Leary wins it. And although Davis stumbles, I think tellingly, he carries on playing. So I don't think Davis feels he's fouled either, but the ref gives the free kick. And it must be for the second one, because it's on the edge of the area and Mickey scores. And then their equaliser, I think probably was a correct decision to rule it out for offside, because they equalised right at the end. But it's borderline. And there's also a question that's played in the box. Who does it flick off? Does it flick off a defender? In which case, it's not offside. So it is a bit of a call that had to be made there. So certainly important decisions influenced it, or we wouldn't have beaten Arsenal. Tragic. Imagine a world where that happened. Yeah. Yeah, well, doesn't matter now, does it? Well, it does because we did beat them. Yeah, we beat them. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. We can forget about that now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who cares? We won. <laughs> Look at the paper if you don't. Want, if you want to know the score, exactly. Um, and now, now you had a, was it a birthday spoiled by a referee. Although- well, it was. It wasn't a birthday. We'll take you back to the season where Brian Little was managers, and it was the season we went down. And it was a Christmas present from my brother to take me to Rotherham of all oh, places to watch. See it with Millmore. <laughs> oh, it was. And they were a good side at the time, from what I can remember. So, and we were we were absolutely poor. And um, yeah, we remember getting on the bus and going to the away end of shattered glass everywhere. Their old ground was really something to. to yeah. It was really something, wasn't it? Anyway, and 15 minutes into the game, it was Matty Crowley. He, he was. I remember him starting was quite a big thing at the time because Brian Little was finally given his chance. Mm. And he lunges in for a ridiculous challenge. Maybe he got excited and got red carded straight away. And that completely changed the game. And I can't quite remember the score, but I remember them beating us really convincingly. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's one. That's a bit of an obscure one that I remember because there wasn't many Wrexham fans in the crowd for that one. Now, Matty Crowell stole Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so that's got to be the... That's got to be the <laughs> headline for this Dragon Art. <laughs> Are you sure? Because I think that maybe the headline for Dragon Art should be... Koeshta Zemra Adragoit, which of course we all know is Albanian for this is Dragon Heart. I need yeah. to learn that. I need <laughs> to learn that. <laughs> <laughs> we have to get some players to say it, won't we? You know. Oh. Hi, I'm Dragon Heart. I'm, I'm Jake Hyde. <laughs> and so Kyoeshta Zemrai Dragoit. You just tell him it's Welsh. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Ooh, way. <laughs> Manipulating these poor footballers. That'd be rotten. <laughs> so what's your experience of a decision that's changed the game? Well, I, I, there's some good ones here that mention ones that I would have mm. wanted to. I've got to say, Adam Williams and I are of a mind, but neither of us completely accurately remember this, okay? Um, so I'll read you through the exchange, perhaps. Adam said, Bournemouth away when a goal got disallowed, as the ref thought the linesman would put his flag up, it turned out to be a steward standing up. And then I said, a few days later, the same player, Falconbridge, scored, but the ball bounced out the net, and the ref thought it hit the bar and didn't give a goal. Now, we are accurate, except Adam says, didn't he score against Notts County on the opening game of the MRS? Um, now the thing is, we're all we're both sort of right, but our details aren't quite correct. He Adam is right to correct me, it was not County, it wasn't actually the first day of the Bold Road stand up. Um, but what happened was, yes, the ball came in and then Falconbridge headed it, it went in, hit the stanchion support, the net support in the top corner, the keeper got his hand to it, hit that. Came bouncing straight back out again. The ref thought it hit the bar and carried on playing. It's like we scored. No, you didn't, lads. Come on, carry on. Get it, honest mistake. 
And the ref admitted afterwards, you know, when he, he showed him the footage, he was like, oh, sorry about that. Um, and then the next Saturday, it was actually at Wickham. And my mistake, I've always thought for some reason, Nelson Mandela effects, that it was Falkenbridge both times. It wasn't, it was Andy Morrell the second time as he was breaking into the team. So he scored at Wickham. Um, but yeah, the referee saw a flash of bright orange, gave offside against him. And it was a steward's, it was a steward's tabards that he'd seen. Now, the missing part of the story, because I went looking this up today, the missing part of the story, I can't find the bit where it actually explains how the referee realised. Because Andy Morrell, there's a quote from Andy Morrell saying, I couldn't believe the referee's reason for denying me the goal. And I think, well, if the referee knew what he'd done, surely you... you that's terrible communication, eh? I mean... Isn't the line I'm sorry. saying, hang on, I didn't put my flag up. How did he work her out and why didn't he give the goal? I don't know. Strange one. That that That's something like off a TV programme, that is. You, you <laughs> can't write that. A steward standing up and you think it's Exactly. That's just crazy, isn't it? It's just like something from Father Ted. That, that, yeah. is, that is excellent. But speaking of maybe <laughs> uh, referees... Uh, maybe being let down by other officials. Another one which came up a bit, I'll just find it now, is the Adran Cislevich ghost goal. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, let's just go down and find if somebody mentioned this. Uh, I can't find this. Oh, hello. Tim Lewis, Tim, of course. Tim Lewis. Yeah. He said Cislevich goals goals the most memorable. Um, so I feel, i got a strong feeling about that one. I've got to be honest. I feel very sympathetic with the the referee on that occasion. I was I was the press box, perfect view, right behind Chislevich, and you could see it was a goal, no question. You see it go in the bottom corner and pass straight through. And the fourth official's got the same view, and I, I I'm I'm confused. Did the fourth official really not see it? I I feel surprised if they didn't. Um, the linesman has got a chance, surely. Now, what happened in that game was that uh, when the ball went in and then through the net, <coughs> Rexham went nuts. And the Rexham players were sort of chasing the ref around the pitch to say, we scored, we scored. And the referee, firstly, unlike our maids that did well to keep her cool and not start booking people for questioning her, she thought there's someone to investigate here. So she did the right thing. She went around her officials asking them, what did you see? What did you see? And it took a hell of a long time to give the goal. And I'm thinking, well, that's because they're not being very helpful to it. You know, to be yeah. fair, you know, it went right in the corner. There were some angles. If you're if you're on that, that post side of the, the pitch, you probably do think it's a goal, don't you? The ball just yeah. touches past the post. So I have every sympathy for her. But her officials took a hell of a long time to actually get round to telling her what happened. The fourth official, she, she went to the fourth official last. I'm thinking... He should be waving his arms around. He, 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 she goes around asking the lines, both lines when fiddling about, trying to find out what's going on. They clearly didn't know. She goes to the fourth official, talks to him for 10 seconds and gives a goal. So he saw it and just didn't help her out. So mm. that's just such a weird one, Matt. But I, I feel sorry for the ref in that, in that position because she's got a fourth official there who, who isn't shouting, get over here, I saw exactly what happened. And the equipment malfunction that was completely out of her control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you, you can't account for that. Net, isn't it? Not the ref. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I do I, I do get where you're coming from there with the referee. That is, that is yeah. a tough one. I thought she handled it pretty well because it was a very mm. stressful situation and she could have really lost the plot and started showing yellow cards. Yeah. Um, Fearless and devotion. I'm aware of their work. They seem like nice chaps. He was a beauty. Wimbledon away in the FA Cup. That's 98, I think. The referee blows uh, as they're hitting a corner for the end of the match. And the ball goes in. Gale scores, doesn't he? Um, I was convinced we'd lost till it dawned on me how many Reds fans were talking about the replay. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the corner's taken. It's in the air. And the referee blows his whistle. And then a fraction of a second later... Um, the ball goes into the net and obviously it seems a bit of a naive refereeing decision to do that. You know, can you really referee for, you know, up to the last, very, very last second? I find that very dubious, but 
we got away with it. Yeah. There is a, an alternative one, though, where we didn't. We played Shrewsbury in 1973. And Dave Smallman scored just as the ref blew, and he didn't give the goal. He drew nil-nil. So there is an equivalent. Yeah. Um, looking at other ones, some great feedback. It was brilliant. Uh, oh, Fearless and Devotion also said anything involving Gurnam Singh. Gurnam Singh was an interesting ref, I've got to say. <laughs> and he seemed to take a bit of pleasure in winding fans up, it seemed. <laughs> Matthew Ellis responded, I remember the first time he came, mid-90s, I think, he disallowed the goal and we asked the linesman why. His reply was to shrug and shout back, no idea. <laughs> I have a vague recollection of a throw-in going straight in and him giving a goal when nobody had touched it, which obviously is not a goal. Um, I can't quite put my finger on that. I need to I need to dig around a bit more, I think, to find that one. Um, Steve Carlton says, Kevin Lynch at Peterborough, remember him sending off Barry Jones at Peterborough with one of their players, even though we lost a home. Oh, sorry, even though we lost, the home crowd booed him off, which is very <laughs> sporting. And Steve Jones, quite rightly, says the ref who sent Stephen Wright off for getting elbowed by Edgar Davids. Yeah. I mean, that was horrific, wasn't it? <laughs> that was wild, that was. Uh, yeah. Have you ever seen a photo of um, Stephen Wright that he took and put on social media in the bus of his face? Oh, I can't remember it, to be honest. I'm telling you, it's not pretty. It is not nice. Um, and, oh, Andy Ball says about um, about five years ago, a, a team like Bromley clocking up a total of about 21 minutes on the floor. That was Geisley, I think. And the ref failed. You know, the, the time-wasting was horrific. Oh, was it Bromley? But I remember I ran a stopwatch on it because I was so annoyed at the time wasting. And yeah, it was about 21 minutes of the ball being dead in the second half as they tried to waste time. And I said, referees, just, just punish them, book them, add, yeah. add each time on, you know. If they want to be like that, just punish them, you know. For yeah. it. It's, I don't know. Robert Williams has got a, an example of one which is a, a match changer rather than a dubious one. Ricky Ravenhill getting sent off uh, for Chester against us in 2007. They were bossing midfield and on top. And then he lunges in on Ingham and got sent off. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, Uriah Rennie was the yeah, ref, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah, I remember that one. That was when Mark Jones scored and yeah. Neil Roberts, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Good, good away day, that. I always liked Uriah Rennie. I just I yeah. always thought he, he was not a... He was strong. He wouldn't get pressured by people. And I mean, it's very yeah. easy at Chester to, to let the Chester player get away with it. But he went in like collarbone height on, on Ingham. It was a yeah. red card. He did really well, I thought. Um, he was a ref who's ref at a higher level, though, wasn't he? So I yeah. think going to Rex and Chester is not going to face someone like him, is it? But I always found it was odd that at that higher level, he seemed to be a target for criticism. Yeah. Like, I always thought he was consistently strong and consistently good. Um, yeah. But he seemed to be an unpopular ref at a higher level. But I, I can't for the life of me see why. I thought he was one of the best ones I've seen, you know. Mm. Um, Greg Mawson. Uh, here, uh, here is a classic. Um, Tim Breaker against West Ham. Have you ever seen that one? That's the after no. we beat Arsenal, we draw West Ham. We draw two all at West Ham. And then the replay at the race course, we start pretty well. But go behind, and then the second half, Carl Connolly is through on goal, and Tim Breaker runs behind him and legs him over. I mean, if you want a video to teach referees what a blatant professional foul is, that was it. I mean, honestly, he's he's broken totally clear. Apart from Breaker, there's nobody within about 15 yards of him behind him. There's nobody between him and the goalkeeper. He's right down the middle, and McCloskey makes no attempt. As I'm saying, McCloskey was the goalie. Breaker makes no attempt to play the ball. He just slides in and he just chops both his legs from under him. I mean, it is the wow. single most horrific, obvious red card you've ever seen. And the ref gave me yellow. And, and I've got to say, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying to say about errors of judgment against really unexpl inexplicable mistakes. That's not a judgment call. He gave the foul. There was no one else in the in the postcode. It's a red card. And that, that is just an act of, well, the best you could say is cowardice, I think, to be honest with you. Mm. It was really astonishing decision. Um, you you look that up and your jaw will drop and you'll think, what on earth? How on earth could that not be <laughs> off? 
I've got a couple of others I was thinking about myself as well. Um, I just I just want to double check. I've not missed anybody out because we've got such brilliant uh, comments. Oh, I see that Carl, Wrexham Carl also mentioned the Wimbledon game. Sorry, Carl, I, I didn't see there were two. Um, uh, I was thinking about <laughs> Roma, the away game at Roma. Uh, we lose 2-0. It was a terrible Wrexham team. I know we just beaten Porto, but it was a miracle that. And then we, we lose 2-0 at Roma. But to be perfectly frank, both goals shouldn't have stood. The first one's a penalty. And it's given for handball, but it was a Roma player who handled it. Near post corner, players jump in the air, ref sees a, a hand, hits a ball, gives a penalty, but it was actually Pruzzo, their centre forward, who handled it. Pruzzo steps up and scores. So that was scandalous. And then their second goal. Now I, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little wary about this one because now it would be a goal. In those days, and maybe this is why that um Bobby Shinton goals this lad against Arsenal. There was much more of an attitude of if you're at all offside, you're just offside. You know, interfering doesn't mm. really matter. They're m- much less likely to give you the benefit of doubt for interference. Um, uh, Toninho Sorezzo, the brilliant Brazil player who played for uh, Roma, scored a screamer from 25 yards. But there are players standing offside roughly in the path of the shot. So... You know, I think probably these days they'd look at it and say not enough in the path of it. But in those days, I think they would have disallowed it generally. Mm. So I think we were very unlucky on both counts. We lost a home tie one nil, but if we drawn the away game nil nil, then that that game would have been played in a different manner, wouldn't it? So, and I have two others, if you can indulge me. The other one is a classic Eastern European nineteen seventies uh, robbery, and you've got to wonder about this game. Right, we play Hijack Split, so it's our second ever game in Europe, 1972. We win the home leg 3-1. And so we think, wow, this is fantastic. We go to Split and we lose 2-0, so we go out in away goals. But the, the players all said, and there was corruption in some matches then, you know. Mm. Um, there's lots of stories of like bribes and different things going on in, in European games. All the players say it was appalling. That everything was being given against us. We one of the goals we give we lose is a penalty. Apparently, that's not so contentious. Gareth Davis pulls a man back in the box. But 84th minute corner is put in. Eddie May jumps to score. And well, by by his account, by other players' accounts, by John Neal's account, by the newspaper accounts, two players jump with him and they both grab him, one with each arm, and they both pull him to the ground. So he's fouled on both sides. And he's still, because he's a man-mountain, heads at a foot wide. And then afterwards says, there's no question I just scores. You know, I would never have missed that. And the ref doesn't give a penalty. Uh, after wow. the match, Mickey Evans, who I, I remember as being a very sort of calm bloke, gets sent off for screaming at the referee. And that, that does sound like it was a real daylight robbery. Um, wow. We played Hadrick Split. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? That's cool in itself. We knocked yeah, out Zurich. Yeah. And then we played Hadrick Split. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing I want to say is just that Rochdale is a terrifying black hole of injustice. Because um, in the mid-80s, they won this game. Oh, I'm so stupid. I should have got the programme out because the programme afterwards is hysterical. Um, Dixon McNeil's programme notes after after this are brilliant where he just goes nuts about how appalling the ref is. And you look at it and you think, how's he got away with saying this in the programme? He just <laughs> launches into the ref. We lose 3-2. And there were loads of controversial decisions throughout the game. But the winning goal is that the Wrexham goalie's got the ball in his hands and a Rochdale player runs up and just punches the ball out of his hands and kicks it into the net, and the ref and linesman weren't looking. So they just suddenly hear cheering, see the ball in the net, and they just give a goal. Um, now, <laughs> that's all right. But in, I, in 1972, we lose 1-0 there, 88 minutes, ball comes in, uh, and Brogdon, the Rochdale striker, controls it with one arm and then knocks it into the goal with the other. <laughs> And it's given. Wow. So there's a, there's a couple of historic corkers, I think. Wow. <laughs> for us to consider. 
I love listening to the Star concert. And it's just crazy to me that when you just talk about, oh, we played Hadrick Split away. It's just, yeah, it's just <laughs> mad that we have actually gone toe to toe with Hadrick Split, Rieka, Roma, Porto. It's just why this, this club's so unique, isn't it? Thank you very much. This has been Dragonheart.